Coming up on this special edition of Jerusalem Dateline, it's the story of how the Old Testament was created and preserved. CBN Films' Oracles of God travel through more than 2,000 years of history and unlock the keys to a biblical treasure hunt. See ancient ashes come to life, find new answers to the mystery of the Dead Sea Scrolls, and hear from the film's creator. All this and more on this special edition of Jerusalem Dateline. Hello and welcome to Jerusalem Dateline. I'm Julie Stahl. The Bible is the best-selling book of all time, but how did it come to be? CBN Films documentary, Oracles of God, the story of the Old Testament, explores how the Bible was created, and it's streaming worldwide right now. Today, we're giving you a special look at the documentary. We begin with the discovery of a 2,000-year-old treasure map that describes more than $3 billion worth of hidden gold and silver. CBN News Middle East Bureau Chief Chris Mitchell takes us to the place where the ancient treasure hunt began, the caves of Qumran. In 1947, a Bedouin shepherd wandered the hills of Qumran in search of a missing goat. He threw a stone into a cave, hoping to drive the lost animal outside. Instead, the sound of shattered pottery drew the shepherd inside the cave, where he stumbled on the greatest archaeological find of the 20th century, the Dead Sea Scrolls. In the years that followed, archaeologists found 11 caves and more than 800 documents at Qumran. But one scroll was different than all the rest. The Copper Scroll describes a cache of gold and silver vessels buried in more than 60 locations throughout Israel. The monetary value is close to $3 billion today, but the historical value is priceless. The only place in ancient Israel with that much wealth was the Jewish temple. It refers to the garments of the high priest. The amount of treasure that is buried is massive. This is a tremendous witness to history to actually have a list of the treasures from the temple itself from the first century is just amazing. Well, we have nothing better than the Copper Scroll now for telling us what was really there. Even the scroll's language is mysterious. Most experts date the copper to between 25 and 75 AD, but the author wrote in a rabbinic style of Hebrew that doesn't match the rest of the Dead Sea Scrolls and wasn't widely used in the first century. Adding to the puzzle is a series of random Greek letters. The Copper Scroll had to have been written just immediately before the destruction of the temple. So it actually fits the glove perfectly for the zealots who were the priestly group who were holding down the temple, keeping the temple from the Romans in the best way possible. But before they were massacred, they left things behind in caves here near Qumran. Some of the hiding places listed in the scroll are easy to find on a modern map, like Jericho, the Valley of Accor, and Mount Gerizim. Others are more cryptic, like Solomon's Canal, which contains a stash of silver coins, a well in Milham, where garments for the high priest were hidden, or Matias Courtyard, where more than 600 gold and silver temple vessels were buried. The instructions on the scrolls is like a, like a kid's treasure map in a way. They're talking about caves, they're talking about tombs, they're talking about aqueducts and pools and other things that were known to them at the time, probably with um, aliases 
of names applied to these places so that only those people who are part of the inner circle would know where to go, how many steps to go away, and where to dig and find the temple treasure that was buried in that spot. So what happened to the treasure? Fawn argues that anyone looking for it today is about 2,000 years too late. In my mind, most if not all of these were actually found by the Romans under the point of the sword. What we do know from the Ark of Titus in Rome, it shows a clear depiction of the main items of furniture and the trumpets that were used in the temple being carried in parade through the gates of Rome to the Forum. And we do know that Titus used the booty to build the Colosseum in Rome. If there's any treasure left, there would have been small parts that might not have been found that still lie out there ready for people to find today. We don't know. The scroll's last line hints at an even greater treasure, still undiscovered. What's interesting is that there were actually two treasure maps that were made. Here's line 64 of the scroll. In a dry well at Kulit, a copy of this document with its explanation and an inventory of each and everything. The location of Kulit is unknown, and today it's become a modern-day El Dorado for archaeologists and treasure hunters. The directions on the scroll may be a mystery, but the purpose of its writers is clear. They're writing for the future, hoping that people will still have some continuity. They will eventually be able to find this copper scroll and reconstitute life in Judea with the temple at its focus. It's a document of hope. Up next, ashes come back to life. Dive into the fascinating discovery and restoration of the En Gedi scroll. Blessed are you, Lord, our God, King of the universe, who has chosen us from all of the nations and given us his Torah. From CBN Films. The Bible is a book that has transformed the world. If you believe in the providence of God, you believe that God guided those who collected the oral and written traditions. If you can't rely on its history, how can you rely on its theology? What is it? I don't know. I thought you could tell me whether or not they're genuine. It has been criticized, it has been banned, it has been burned, its followers have been burned and killed. It mattered to them to get it right. From the makers of In Our Hands, Oracles of God, the story of the Old Testament. Available on instant 4K streaming access and DVD today for a gift of any dollar amount. Download the CBN News app, 24-7 news from a Christian perspective at home or on the road. One place for all of your news. Breaking news alerts. Set daily prayer goals and pray for news stories. Read the most important news and watch CBN News Channel Live. CBN News, because truth matters. Go to CBNNewsApp.com to get the app today. In all of history, there have been few men like him. He was a prophet, a gifted psalmist, a feared warrior, and a revered king.
Gain spiritual insights for your life from the life of King David in Pat Robertson's newest audiobook, The Shepherd King. Coming May 8th. In 1965, the installation of a water pipeline led to the discovery of a 1,700-year-old synagogue in an Israeli nature reserve. There, excavators found a scroll burnt beyond recognition. At least that's what they thought. Here's Chris Mitchell with the rest of the story. Near the shores of the Dead Sea is the desert oasis of En Gedi. In the Bible, it's the hiding place of David and a place of inspiration for Solomon. To the north is Qumran, where the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered, and to the south, the ruins of Herod's fortress at Masada. Today, En Gedi is a nature reserve, one of Israel's most beautiful national parks and the site of an extraordinary archaeological discovery. The ancient settlement of En Gedi was destroyed by a fire in the 7th century. After the fire, the settlement was abandoned until 1970, when the ruins of the community synagogue were excavated. They found within the synagogue the holy place, the Bama, you know, the, with the Bible, and they found it all in ashes. And in the ashes, they found a hold of coins, they found a menorah, and they found a massive amount of ashes that already then they suspected were a scroll, but it was ashes. Forensics experts tried to decipher the rolled-up scroll, which looked like a cigar. But in 1970, the technology was limited. So eventually, the scroll was stored at the Israel Museum. Fast forward to 2015, when archaeologist Sefi Parat retrieved the burned scroll and took it to a team of conservators who work with the Dead Sea Scrolls. One day, he walks in here with this, you know, it was still the top of one of the boxes with all these ashes and says, can you please image this? And I said, Sefi, you must be joking. This is ashes. He says, yes, but they said you have such a system. I said, yeah, it's not miracles, though. I mean, it's not as if uh, the ashes can come back to life. Eventually, it turned out that they could. Nobody, by the way, touches these scrolls. I don't touch them either. It's only these four or five conservators. And we did a CT scan, a tomography of all of these. And already then, it seemed as if that piece of charcoal was the most promising. The Israeli team sent 3D scans of the scroll to the University of Kentucky, where Professor Brent Seals used digital imaging to virtually unwrap the scroll and reveal part of the text. After 45 years, the puzzle was finally solved. He actually looked and saw that with these layers, he could decipher, he could pull out a layer that eventually turned out to be the first chapter of the book of Leviticus. And you can see it, I mean, you can read it. I mean, how do we know? Because we can read it now. It was amazing. To me, everything is kind of symbolic. And I remember the day that we realized that this is, you know, the book of, of Leviticus, it was like, we looked at the computer and we said, unbelievable. And I wrote to Brian Seals, you won't believe what you've deciphered, what you've uncovered. The En Gedi scroll is the second oldest biblical scroll to be discovered and the oldest ever to be found inside a synagogue. 
This scroll was carbon dated, remember, to uh, the uh, third, fourth century. Why did this work? Because the ink that the Engedi scroll was written with probably has iron in it. We realize that the Engedi scroll is different because it has ink and therefore it is legible with this virtual 3D. It can identify the iron that is in this ink. Look how symbolic that the first chapter of the book of, of Leviticus talks about uh, the uh, sacrifices of the temple. Okay, and here we are, and what happens to the sacrifices? They turn into ashes. And here we are bringing alive these ashes. And this was right before Tisha B'Av, which is the day of the destruction of the temple. So everything was very, very symbolic. We were really, uh, you know, in awe. It was like, you know, we're bringing back to life these ashes. Coming up, a chance meeting between a scientist and a Bible scholar leads to a discovery from the Dead Sea Scrolls. Attacks on Jewish lives, communities, and synagogues. The Jewish nation has survived war. I was so scared. Terrorism. And saw my husband covered in blood. And waves of anti-Semitism. It's a message of killing Jews. Now is the time to defend Israel's basic right to exist. And you can do that through CBN Israel. When you send a gift to the Jewish people through CBN Israel, you are giving humanitarian aid to Israelis in need. And at the same time, you are providing news coverage and documentaries that reveal what is really happening in Jerusalem and the Middle East. Attacks against Israel are ongoing. The need is urgent, and you can help. Call 1-800-813-8734. Go to cbn.com slash standwithisrael or text CBN Israel to 41444. Here, we're committed to a heritage of rigorous scholarship dating back over a thousand years and to a faith tradition dating back a thousand more. This is how we create a culture of inquiry where no topic is off limits. And a culture of hope. Anything's possible! It's Christian leadership. And it's changing the world for the better. It's higher learning. It's greater knowing. It's what makes us whole. It's what makes us region. I am so excited for our trip to Epic Heights because there are so many roller coasters and rides. And my goal is to ride every one of them. But first, I have been instructed to complete a list of tasks by Professor Quantum. Discover the rewards of self-control with Gizmo and Friends through fun-filled activities and exciting games. Join the CBN Animation Club and get Gizmo's ups and downs of self-control, plus two copies to share with others, all for your gift of only $25. Today, most scholars agree that the Dead Sea Scrolls were copied more than 2,000 years ago by an ancient Jewish sect. They were hidden in the caves of Qumran and discovered in 1947. But new DNA tests on the scrolls suggest that not all of them came from Qumran. More than 70 years after their discovery, fragments of the Dead Sea Scrolls are still being counted, studied, and translated. A monumental task, considering that there are tens of thousands of fragments from nearly a thousand different documents. 
A handwriting analysis of the Dead Sea Scrolls reveals that they were copied by as many as 500 different scribes. There were thousands and thousands of scrolls placed in these caves. We only have a tiny, tiny fragment of the total number of scrolls that were originally put in the caves close to the site of Qumran. And that makes it hard to imagine that all of them came from a tiny little site in Qumran. That idea has now been confirmed by a series of DNA tests performed on some of the 2,000-year-old fragments. It all started in 2012, when a molecular biologist and a biblical scholar met on a bus. And each of us told the other what we're doing in terms of our research, and he thought it might be very cool to cooperate and to see what we can obtain. Professors Noham Mizrahi and Oded Ruhavi decided to test the DNA on some of the scroll fragments. But first they had to convince the organization in charge of the scrolls, the Israel Antiquities Authority. Before we could even sample the scrolls, we had to demonstrate that it's possible to get enough material. So the people at the Israel Antiquities Authorities, they just gave us in the beginning duct tape that was removed from different scrolls. And we analyzed the DNA from the duct tape. Now, only later when we show that this is even possible and we can get enough information without destroying these precious materials, we can move on to the more important uh, and real materials and samples. Even with the small samples, the results were astonishing. Imagine we are only sequencing scroll dust, 2,000 year old, that was, the skin was processed to make the parchment. And later it was preserved in caves for 2,000 years. Still, despite all the contaminations of the different people that touched the scrolls, we were able to find enough animal DNA to say something about the scrolls, which is remarkable in my opinion. Almost all of the samples tested were made of sheepskin, except two from the book of Jeremiah, which yielded some of the study's most intriguing results. We actually sampled fragments that represent four different copies of Jeremiah. This particular prophetic book as one of the most complicated textual histories among all the prophetic books of the Hebrew Bible. The four Jeremiah scrolls represent three different versions of the book. A longer version, based on the Masoretic text that's in most modern Bible translations today. A shorter version, based on the Greek Septuagint. And a third version of the book that was somewhere in the middle. Which means that the people there in Qumran held at the same time different versions of the book. And unlike today, where we have the exact same version, all of us, they were open to different versions and to different interpretations. But what surprised the team most was not the text, but what it was written on. Originally, these different pieces were thought to come from the same scroll. However, we were very much surprised to find that two of the scrolls pieces were written on sheepskin, while two were written on cow hide. Since cows need grass and water, they could not have survived in the desert near Qumran, which means that at least two of the copies of Jeremiah came from somewhere else. We can't say for sure that a particular scroll was written in Qumran, but we can say with a fair amount of confidence that some pieces, samples, came from outside of Qumran. And we learned that the texts that were common in Qumran were also popular outside of Qumran. 
takes a lot of time, a lot of effort to write uh, a scroll. And they suggested that perhaps, originally the, the scrolls came from uh, the library of the temple in Jerusalem, and before the Roman conquest or the Jewish revolt, they were moved to be hiding here in, in the caves. So I think that uh, we solved some mysteries, we uncovered some new mysteries, and most importantly, we discovered that we still have much, much to learn and new mysteries to uncover. We have a few other mysteries that we would like to solve. We have a long wish list, and we will see how much of that uh, wish list we will manage to obtain in the years to come. Still ahead, hear from the creator of Oracles of God when we come back. I believe the time has come to begin a battle of annihilation. They divided my land. They divided the land of God. In these three weeks, people felt like there is going to be a second Holocaust. I just started this job 10 months ago. Now you want me to plan an entire war in two days? Yes. People were very motivated, but to say that there was no fear is telling a lie. You're scared until the first shot. The minute the first shot is being fired, you're bent on completing your mission. If we break through those walls now, the whole world will stand on its head. To be right here, Mota, and not to go in, history will never forgive you. Are you going crazy? You'll set the whole Middle East on fire. Come home to the sounds of Southern Gospel from CBN Radio. You'll enjoy a rich Southern blend of bluegrass, classic gospel, and Southern Gospel favorites like the Gaithers, the Crab Family, and bluegrass sounds like Mountain Faith. So make yourself at home with the all-new CBN Southern Gospel. Now available at CBNRadio.com. Introducing a brand new way to start your morning. Get your daily quick start from CBN News. A quick read on the important news of the day delivered right to your inbox. Stay current on breaking news, politics, and entertainment. Discover how God is moving around the world and here at home. Plus, get exclusive stories and daily scripture encouragement just for you. Stay informed. Go to quickstart.news and subscribe today. Gordon Robertson interviewed the writer and director behind Oracles of God, Aaron Zimmerman. Let's watch. Well, joining us now is the writer, director, and creator of this wonderful film, Oracles of God, our four-time Emmy nominee, Aaron Zimmerman. And Aaron, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's always a pleasure. Okay, start us off. The, the, the movie begins and ends with the Dead Sea Scrolls. So you actually shot in the caves where they were discovered. How, how did you do that? Well, not in the caves. We shot around them. Mm -hmm. um, the great thing about shooting in 2021 was there were no tourists allowed in Israel anywhere, which is, I think, hasn't happened since the Middle Ages, since the Black Death. <laughs> so we had, the, the whole land of Israel was our studio, basically. Um, we got access that we never would have gotten, the, the National Park Service and the um, 
the park at Qumran, they just gave us free reign. They let us fill one of their 2,000-year-old mikvot, the Jewish ritual baths, mm -hmm. with water and put our actors in it. Um, and we did all the exteriors in and around the caves. We scouted caves all over Israel, and we really wanted to shoot in a real one. Um, there weren't... there. There were ones with not a lot of ventilation, and then we learned about the bat problem, so we didn't want to deal with that. There a bug problem, too? Yeah, then we, the final straw was the flesh-eating mites that apparently lie dormant in these caves and come alive when something living comes into the caves, and that's, that's a problem we didn't, we didn't need. So my line producer said, come on, I'll build you a cave in the studio, and I said, I don't know, I don't want it to look fake, and she said, trust me, her team had done one for an FX show called Dig, I don't know if you've heard of it. Yeah. Um, I'd never seen it, but she said they were amazing, they can do this, and so that was our solution, and it worked. We really wanted to pound in the idea of what these Jewish scribes gave to stay and copy these scrolls and to hide them in the caves. They knew the Romans were coming, they could have left and they didn't. They put as many of these scrolls and hid them in the caves as they could, and they stayed till the last minute, and they were slaughtered. And Josephus has a really great line that I loved about mm -hmm. them. They cheerfully gave up their souls, knowing that they would get them back again, which is, I think, a profound statement for Judaism. It, they don't have the same concept of heaven as we do, so I thought that was an amazing statement. One of the things that struck me about the shoot at Qumran was just the absolute level of accuracy as they're writing the Bible and, and the effort that a scribe would go through. And, and just tell us about that. Well, what did they mean by focus? Well, this is very interesting because we talked to an, a scribe that's alive today, and I used to do a little bit of calligraphy every now and then, and I would always tell the people, if I'm doing a calligraphy job, get me 20 extra envelopes because I will mess up. And so I said to this calligrapher and to the scribe, how do you not mess up? Because they couldn't have more than three mistakes on any scroll, and you had to be able to fix those mistakes. And if you couldn't, you had to bury the scroll and start over. Mm. I said, how did you do it? And he said... For me, when I'm sitting here writing this, and say I'm writing the letter Aleph, which is the Hebrew word for sort of an A, he said, that is the only thing on my mind. I'm not thinking about what I'm going to do later. I'm not thinking about what I'm going to eat, who I'm going to see. I am thinking about an Aleph, and that is my purpose in life right now is to write that Aleph. And I believe he's taking that from history, from these same scribes for thousands of years, had that kind of focus. And the name of God was very sacred to them. Now, for us, we'll say it's sacred to us, too. But, you know, in an emergency, sometimes we'll let fly, oh, my, you know, whatever. These people took the name of God so seriously that when they were writing, they left spaces for his name, blank spaces. And then when it was, when it was time to write his name, the scribe would go out, wash in the mikvot, completely immerse himself in water, come back up, put on a new garment, get a new pen, and he would have to stand in front of his scroll and he would say, announce to the room, I'm now writing the name of God. And then he would have to say every character as he's writing it, yud, hey, vav, hey. They couldn't say it, but they could spell it. And that is the um, great care and excellence with which they treated the name of God. And that's the great care and excellence that you've brought to the movie. And then the thing that just is so impressive is just how cinematic it looks. How did you bring that to the screen? I hired really good people <laughs> to bring that to the screen. This is the same team that um, shot 
and produced in our hands. And I've been working with them. That was our first production with them. I've been working with them for seven years now, and we've traveled everywhere to Jordan, to Egypt. You know, so we have a really great synergy. I cannot take credit for any of that. I have great lighting, cameras, special effects. They're all the top of their game. To stream Oracles of God right now, go to cbn.com slash oracles of God. That's all for this edition of Jerusalem Dateline. Thanks for joining us. And remember, the God who watches over Israel and you and me neither slumbers nor sleeps. I'm Julie Stahl. We'll see you next time on Jerusalem Dateline.